Hello, uh, welcome to today's podcast. My name is Mark Morton, and the subject I've chosen to have a think about today is domicile. The reason for that, we've had two or three court cases coming through uh, this year, which indicates something, indicates the revenue are more interested in it. Um, the cases are both from a sort of income tax perspective, but also from an IHT perspective. And the bit that's interesting me regarding these um, particular cases is the approaches that the tribunals are starting to take. So one of the cases, um, the IHT case actually, so relating to the issue of whether when the individual uh, died, what we're looking at obviously if they're UK domiciled is essentially worldwide estate being subject to IHT. If they're... Um, foreign domiciled, if you want to class it like that, but non-UK domiciled, then potentially what you'd only be looking at as IHT is their UK-cited assets. So for some people, clearly a fundamental difference. And what had gone on with the gentleman concerned, he'd been born in old India in the late 1920s. He'd moved to Africa for a while with his family, but to cut a long story short, he'd ended up in the UK in the early 1970s as a pharmacist. He'd purchased a pharmacy, he'd run the pharmacy for many years, he retired in the late 1990s, a um, bit of travelling, but fundamentally stayed in the UK, as did his children, as did his grandchildren, and so on and so forth. And fundamentally, uh, he then died, and the revenues point was, you know, this gentleman ultimately has become UK domiciled, and I think it's worth just looking at the sort of legal concept of domicile, essentially there being three... First of all, domicile of origin. Um, I think if you look at this case, the gentleman concerned clearly domiciled of origin non-UK. Uh, you would generally acquire that from your father. So uh, Indian, I think, is, is where your starting point would be. There's then domicile of choice, which arises from 16. Um, that being the issue in this case to say, well, actually, did this gentleman ultimately, when he came... Uh, to the UK 1973 and subsequently make a make a domicile of choice, have a domicile of choice. The third element is domicile of dependency. Um, so domicile of dependency up to the age of 16, potentially that's to do with your mum and or dad, uh, you know, who are you dependent on up to the age of majority uh, being 16 in this case. And of course, I think the interesting thing in all of this is how do you prove a negative almost? Quite clearly, factually, this gentleman had come to the UK in 1973. He had had the majority of his working life in the UK, his retirement in the UK, his direct close family was in the UK, albeit he had travelled a little bit post-retirement. Um, now, for him, he clearly has a lot of family connections still abroad, uh, in India and Africa and so on and so forth. Fundamentally, though, what what is there to say, well, actually, A, I didn't want to change my domicile. It was not my intention to domicile. It was my intention always to retain an Indian domicile. What would point to that factually? Um, it was interesting. I was talking to a gentleman recently on one of the courses, and he said, well, you know, I came to the UK from Malaysia years ago, but I, I intend to be buried in, in Malaysia. Um, and I kind of said, and and What? All that indicates to me, and I suppose, you know, I look at it in a slightly skewed way as an ex-tax inspector, all that indicates to me is you bought a burial plot in Malaysia. It does not suggest you have any ongoing plan to go back to Malaysia. Um, 
clearly there will be links with Malaysia in the same way as this Indian gentleman. Um, but the facts do not indicate any great intention um, of going back to India. Hence, you know, was the UK just an intermediate sort of working place or had it really become your true home? And I think that that is one of the difficult issues. As I said, I think that the main thing that has struck me from these cases, because there is very, I mean, how do you prove, how do you prove a negative almost, but because there is very little to show the intention, you know, there's nothing in writing that say, you know, I want to go back to India. My plan is, you know, I've put all the mechanisms in place to go back to India prior to my death. And it is merely death that has caught me out. If you haven't got that sort of written plan, factual plan, etc., And I, I think it would be a combination of both. A bit like status, you can put anything you want in writing, but fundamentally, if the facts don't back it up, then, then you will struggle. But what I'm trying to get at here, it, it, albeit, you know, I have put in writing my intention, I would like to go back to India, etc. If you have ne never ne pursued that plan and you have nothing active in hand, I'm not sure how far that would take you anyway. And what, what is interesting about all of these cases, the, the, the revenue have had a, a pretty good strike rate on this in terms of saying, well, actually, factually, you came here, you lived here, your family is here, you know, your predominant life has been based here. There is very little to indicate any intention to go back to the India other than comments of people who have outlived you. Uh, in this case, the son. Well, in some respects, you would say that, wouldn't you? Because otherwise, you know, there's going to be quite a big IHT bill and the bill would be less otherwise. So uh, overlying this, probably the greater issue that um, you are looking at, I think, a, a particular age group um, first generation in the UK and that particular age group are hitting a certain age where this is becoming relevant. So I suspect you are going to see more of this sort of thing where there are deaths. It was first generation sort of in the UK. There are clearly close links with other areas of the world, whether it's India or Malaysia or whatever it is. And yet, you know, there is nothing other than possibly the retention of some assets and a burial plot elsewhere to suggest that you really wanted to go back and retain ultimately or reacquire your your domicile um, in another country. So quite interesting. I'll be interested to see how many more cases start to flow through. As I said, we've had three this year. Uh, the revenue have been pretty successful. And it's one of those things for that sort of client um, in that particular position, certainly worth thinking about. If there is a true intention that they wish to go back to their, let's, let's say, country of birth, if that is the intention, then they need to do something to reflect that, if particularly in an IHT sense, that is worthwhile. Anyway, a happy thought, but uh, as you know, clients are somewhat uh, disinclined to discuss inheritance tax, uh, so it may be something you want to prod them a little bit about and suggest that... Um, you know, they need to do something more than just say, I would like to you know, retain my domicile uh, of origin. Anyway, on that happy basis, I will leave you to it. Hopefully it made you think a little bit. Um, take care, everybody. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Mercia podcast. For more information on this topic, please visit mercia-group.com.